When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the downside. I'm in a punchy mood because I have. Uh, if you're watching the video, check out the video today because I got a bad sty. I was gonna ask what's going I on. I got with your a eye, gnarly but... sty, and I went to the city MD this morning, and they sent the prescription over to Dwayne Reed, and then I went to my Soul Cycle. I tried to, I tried to make, I tried to make it all work. Wait, you do Soul Cycle? Oh yeah. <gasps> soul Cycle? I mean. Yes, but you know, not in a, a long time. Do they have like a unicycle soul cycle? That would be horrible. That would be, that, would that would, be cool? That would be exhausting. It's Riding just, a unicycle is like doing a one-legged squat. So like yeah. anything more than 10 minutes, I'm like, I need, I need to get off. You should make that. If you had a 10-minute workout class, I have, it's a unicycle. I actually have a 10-minute workout class. I do. Really? It's a downloadable program that I created during the pandemic, but there is no unicycle involved. It's actually just accessible for people. We'll do you do you ride to like clown music? Like no. Soul Cycle is always to like Beyonce oh, or whatever. That's offensive what you just said. Just so you know. <laughs> is it like calling a police officer a cop? Is that I what heard. I just did? Wait, is that you're not supposed to call a police officer a cop? My mom always told so. me that was inappropriate. Too. You just call them what a pig? Ah. <laughs> yeah, you just uh, call them a murderer. Welcome to the downside. <laughs> hey, we're getting into it. Listening to the downside. the downside with Gianmarco Cerezi. A cop, that's 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 the nicest you're getting out of me. What do you say, officer? I don't say anything, but you're not supposed to call them cops. Can I want you call in like grills for being too loud, like people having a pool party next door, and you call the police. What do you say? What <laughs> uh, you thinking? I have a pool. I'm here. Listen, we 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 uh, last week we had an episode with with uh, my my regular co-host Russell Daniels. He's currently understudying Josh Gad on Broadway, Gutenberg the Musical, uh, and uh, hope he goes up in a safe way where Josh Gad is safe. Yeah. Maybe Josh says, you know what? One show off. What is it going to do you, Josh? Go record Ice Age 25, make a million dollars. Let Russell go up once. I don't think he's going to like me talking about any of this. He gets very nervous. <laughs> I'm here with my guest co-host. She's been on the podcast before. Yeah. Uh, once was my opener. <laughs> I still am sometimes. Sometimes. If when the, when the gig, money's the, good enough. If the, you get a gig, When the money's enough. good enough, yep. I say, all right, this is Ariel money. I do it. Ariel Elias, welcome to The Downside. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be Russell's understudy. Yes. Um, you know. Yes. It's, it's, that's how the economy of entertainment works. If Josh Gad and Russell get sick... You will be in Gutenberg the musical. I'm on Broadway. Uh, and we're here with our guest. Uh, now, I wanna, I, how do you like to say the number of, is it contortionist first? Is it comedian first? Is it, what is it? What's That's your... a very respectful question. Sure. I appreciate it. Of course. Uh, I like to refer to myself as an entertainer in general. Yeah, I like I that. I do a one-woman circus show that involves essentially Stand-up comedy with high-level circus tricks is kind of how I'll explain it to people who have no idea what I do. Because I say circus, and they're like, oh, Cirque du Soleil. You put on sure. a bunch of makeup and like dance around to music for three minutes. And it's like, no, it's actually a long-form show. Yes. That's theatrical. Mm. I also, I'll host, I'll do MC work. 
depending on what is I'm hired for. Is that a better for, assumption, but... though, of pre-Cirque du Soleil? I feel like it was, oh, you're in the circus. Like Barnum elephants and, and yeah. Like, like... Sure. And a lot of what I do stems from that lineage of cir- traditional circus. There's trad circus and there's modern circus, which are kind of these two. Okay. Yeah. Tell us. We're, tra- we're, we're short for traditional? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, like, we're getting that. in the lingo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's the connection. vernacular of the circus industry, right? So, you have the yeah. traditional circus, which is your ring, three ring, do, 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 clowns, elephants, Barnum and Bailey, Clyde Bailey Cole, that kind of circus. And then you have the modern circus, which kind of started through Cirque du Soleil and then kept going through a lot of, like, high and dance companies that started doing more acrobatic style work. And that developed into companies like the Seven Fingers or Cirque Elwaz, which you may or may not have heard of. Well, let's uh, let's see let's see our background yeah. first. Uh, yeah. Uh, what is your, because I remember seeing Cirque du Soleil. That was my like intro into, I guess, what do what we call it? Mod, modern? Modern sure. Circus? Modern Circus. What, have you seen some Cirque du Soleil? I saw, I think, a traveling group of Cirque, Cirque du Soleil in New Jersey when I first moved to New York. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. I did like the circus when I was a kid. And then you find out, like, they're all con men. Is that? <laughs> they're all con men. Am I wrong? Am I just fully... Like, you find out they're all filthy. <laughs> Am I just uh, no? This wait, well, let's like okay. a debunk the circus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Myth. I, I just say for people just doing myths and ready to offend everybody. I'm so ready. This is great. Uh, let, let me just say for those those uh, who are new, this is the downside. This is a place where we can get negative. We can complain. We we can talk about things in an honest way. We don't have to put a bow over it. We don't have to pretend that City MD isn't one of the worst institutions mm-hmm. ever in America to occur, Horrible. or that they shouldn't give me my twenty five dollars back because I went there so they would send it to Dwayne Reed, and Dwayne Reed said they didn't have the prescription and then i went back to the city of d we can complain is the point and uh i uh, that's why i'm excited i'm i'm so happy to have you uh i i and and well let, before we get into where i saw you recently because i went to the renaissance fair if we're going to plug it all i do want to say i feel like we have a good downside from your end we did a show two <laughs> days ago right at gotham at gotham Seinfeld stopped by. Gaffigan stopped Gaffigan by. Gaffigan stopped by. Ronnie I got Chang paid. I didn't have to go. You didn't go. Which I'm at the that age. Sounds like a great night. Which I'm at the age that that is great. There was a time, and older comics would always be like, oh, one day you'll be happy when the show's canceled. Mm-hmm. And they were right. Mm-hmm. They were right. <laughs> there are days, 75 bucks. Yeah, it's the I'm closest out. you'll ever get to feeling like a farmer. You're just getting paid not to work. Exactly. Offended. Offended. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you took the bullet. And you oh. took a bullet. You took a couple bullets. Oh, my God. I went up first at the show. And as soon as I got on stage, this was also Labor Day, like yeah. the day of Labor Day. Uh. And audiences, I don't know if it's the same for, for your shows, but they tend to be holiday, holiday day audiences are day drunk. Uh-huh. And then they come to a show and they're hammered and they're passing out. And it's early. So it's bad. I get that. Yeah. And they're dumb. Yeah. And I went up, and as soon as I got on stage, there was a guy in the front row who said, she better be funny. As soon as I got on stage. And then I did my set, and I think... Did you say anything? I didn't. And here's why I didn't say anything, is because I was just there on Saturday, and at the early show, again, Labor Day weekend audience, early, day drunk, 
uh, I got a little heated with somebody in the audience. These two wow. guys, as, it's, it was the same thing. As soon as I got on stage, they both started interrupting every single joke. Uh. Uh, they were lying to me when I tried to do crowd work with them. The so worst. they're not guys, even playing along. A phone went off during my set. Oh, the worst. And it was a three doors down ringtone. Oh, my God. Wait. Okay. That's okay, though. <laughs> that's a little more okay. Tonight? Uh, yes, kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then as I was trying to get off stage, I have this joke about having an IUD and the doctor telling me that I have a very narrow canal. Right. And as soon as I said that, the guy in the front, front row goes, that's surprising. Mm. And I... Wow. Is that the same guy? Wait, no, different, different guy. Okay, okay. At the same Multiple club. assholes. And I was trying to get off stage. I even said, this is my last joke. I said it. He interrupted it. And then I, <laughs> I got off stage by going, I go, fuck you, fuck you, thank you, everybody else. Nice. And got off stage. So I was trying to be calmer on Monday and just let that go. That is tough. That's a tough back-to-back. Uh, -back. It was a bad weekend. That's why I tell our listeners, when, when a female comic goes on stage, you say... Whether you're good or not, I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> and you let say, them know there's You say it. women can be funny. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I get, I get a lot of surprised older men after my shows who are like, you, you were funny. Mm. Mm. You, you were funny. Like, like, it's like this big groundbreaking thing. And I'm like, thanks, I've been doing this for 10 years. I better be. Like, we're at a giant renaissance festival. If I wonder I'm, how long it goes when like, they go to bed that night and they go, <laughs> she, she was funny. She was funny. <laughs> and then hopefully they die. Because it's time. <laughs> their time has come. Time. Do you get a lot of creeps? Uh, you must. Uh -huh. So, okay. <laughs> there is, it's really, it's, um, it's interesting because surprisingly enough, over. So I, I did a show, I did a duo show with a man. We, it was a female-male duo, me and my ex-partner. And we worked together for eight years. And it was a very fast-paced, two-person comedy, romantic, subject matter show. Acrobatic show. So he like threw me around a bunch and did like flips. And it was very fun. Um, and I never got hit on when I was working with him. Mm -hmm. Because there, I was performing with a man. So I, I do this entire first phase of my career being, like, protected. And then I split off and I go solo. And suddenly, like, the floodgates open. But interestingly enough, the men who are e obviously, like, interested, enamored, or, like, caught up in my stage persona and my character are actually awfully extremely polite. Mm. Oh. They're like very, con they're like, ex like they'll like come into my DMs like, excuse me, miss, you are beautiful. And like, do you think that's because they saw you most likely at a Ren fair and so they're into the chivalry idea? Milady, really, they're often significantly older. Yeah, like you know, at least ten years older than me or twenty years older than me. Of like, um, and I, I think. I think there actually might be some sort of interesting change of people not wanting to completely come off rude. Maybe. 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 Well, you also, possibly. to be fair, because uh, I saw her act on Saturday, there's whips and there's fire. Yes. Oh, yes. And like, cool. right. I don't weapons. And I definitely have a more like dominatrixy persona sure. in the show. So I think the guys that I'm getting are also a little sobby. 
So like uh-huh. that can be a thing where they're like, hello, hi, how can I serve you? You're beautiful. Which honestly, I much often, I, like, I, I prefer that coming yeah. into my DMs than like some rude, disgusting dick pic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to start going on stage just I with a whip that. and never address it. If you, yeah. if you went on Gotham with a whip and you didn't do anything with it. Nothing. But just the, held it the entire time. Oh, that's not a bad idea. No, that's just the whip. Bad idea. Only just on holiday slowly. weekends. <laughs> I don't need it normally. Um, so I, I saw you. You are currently in the Renaissance. It's called the Renaissance Fair. The New York Renaissance the Fair. The New York Renaissance Fair in Tuxedo Park. Yes. Uh, I've always wanted to go to one of these things. I didn't like do it, do it. You I'm not a dress up. Did you dress up? up? Guy. I'm not a dress up guy. So many things about me. Very theatrical, yeah. very feminine nature. Dressing up, not at all. That's it's okay. It's, it's just like it's it's stuff. It's it's uncomfortable. I think my skin is sensitive. <laughs> In theory, if I were to do all right, if I were to do a Renaissance dress up, the one I'd want to do would be uh, shirt, the former shirtless, and I'd, I'd get ready. And I'd wear like a leather, went around like the What neck do you mean by get ready? Like you would shred? You know, I'm going shirtless for the whole Renaissance Fair. Sunscreen. Yeah, I'm doing a couple extra sunscreen. soul cycles. <laughs> just like two, two coats just of SPF. Sunscreen and a wax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you wear like a little leather harnessy situation. Yeah. Well, like like where it's one shoulder. Yes. You you it's it's some yeah. kind of, you know I don't know what in battle that used to be. Of course, you're gonna do an off the shoulder. An off There's the a name shoulder. For it. There's a name for those that I don't remember. A formal name. And for a the sword. I feel like a sword is shoulder. cool. But there were people there doing like, they were like the priest, the olden time priest, mm. the olden time jesters. It was hot. So I went to this Renaissance fair. It's very cool. I recommend it if 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 you're there, whether this one or the next one, and uh, I. It's a fascinating place because it's a, it's a lot of, like, nerd culture, and there's a lot of, like, families and kids. These kids dress like Zelda and Link. It's very cute. And uh, it's just a different world. It's just a different world, and you get to see some people really get to, like, do live the life mm-hmm. they want to live. Yeah, I often describe it as a mixture between a music festival, a farmer's market, and, like, a, a costume party. Yeah. I will say, the food was the food was better than than you'd think. Like yes. so I think there's yes. probably a bad version of a Renaissance yes. fair where it's like bad shit food. Yes. This had a turkey leg, uh-huh. which is for my for my oh, opinion, it's good for three bites. Yes. But this course. is turkey legs. Period. There's a reason you don't go to Le Pain au Quotidien and they serve a turkey. Is that right? Is that how you say it? Le Pain au Quotidien? Excuse you. I say they don't have turkey leg. <laughs> you can't go on DoorDash and get a turkey leg and for good reason. Yeah. It's not a great bone yeah, to yeah, eat yeah. off if it's fun. And then you're like, where, what is the rest of this? Is, where does it rank, the, the Renaissance Fair, where does it rank food-wise with medieval times? Oh, my God. Significantly better. Okay. Yeah. The, especially the New York Renaissance Festival has some of the best food out of any Renaissance f- festival I work. There are about 35 Renaissance festivals across the country, ranging in size. Some of them have, like, 1,000 people per day. Some of them have 40,000 people per day. Right? What was this one? About 20, 15 to 20, I believe. Right. 20,000 people per day? I'm yeah. not exactly wow. sure. I cannot be like legally quoted on those numbers, but it, it's between 15 and 20 per day. The day you came was not that many. It was right. a lighter day, but it does get up to that, that yeah. capacity. But it's New York, so right. if the food was shitty, these people would revolt and just not show up. So this is definitely one of the best food, like, 
option situation menus. They have more vegan options and dairy-free options than most other fairs. They have more like actual food and not just like processed fried shit too. So and right on the cusp of it's not cheap. No, but it's not so. When I was in Vegas. For me, Vegas hit a point of it's so expensive and it's so bad yeah. that I felt the whole time like I was being I was in a world of being ripped off. Yeah. This yeah, was yeah. right now. Did I wish the glass of mead wasn't the smallest plastic cup I've ever seen in my life? Yes. Was it fifteen dollars? Oh yeah. <laughs> Dude, I tip every time because when you tip, they go huzzah! Huzzah! Really? For the and tip they, and they ring, ring the bell. Symbol. That's very exciting. And why aren't they doing they that, do that more. everywhere? And it's funny because I I would start tipping my waiters if they did that. <laughs> I work at Renaissance festivals most of the year, and when I go to places that don't do that, and I tip, and I like I like internally expect somebody to scream, it get, I get a little sad. <laughs> I, I a little you sad. leave a tip at Starbucks, you're like, anything? Any, anybody? Huzzah? No? Huzzah? Was tipping culture a thing back in Renaissance times? <laughs> I don't know how accurate. Is it historically accurate? Sh- well, mm. what is Renaissance? Because we were talking about this at the fair. I said, what, where is this European? Is this it's a supposed certain... to be like England? It's for sure white. Like 1500, very oh, white. It's the whitest. Sh- it's very white. And I think the thought that I kept having was I was like, I could see some of these neo-Nazi type people that if they just at the right age, they had just gotten into Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. they would not be a problem. Uh-huh. They would get out whatever whatever it is of wanting to dress up if instead of the, we're both Jewish. Uh, you're Jewish you too. We're yeah. Italian Jews. Instead of putting on the armband, they put on a shoulder strap. Sure. They'd be much less of a problem. There's they, there is some reenactment crossover that can happen in it. Yes, sure. I think. Anyone ever come in a costume where it's like, wh- why is there a Confederate soldier at the? I don't think they'd make it past security, but. Ooh. Oh, so it, does security have to be pretty knowledgeable about historical costume? No, but they, if you have wild. a weapon, they piece tie it. Oh, okay. Like if if you're carrying a weapon through the front gate, like if you have a sword or if you have some sort what of is like a piece tie. Uh, they they tie it. They zip tie it to you, so you can't pull it out. Oh, you and I mean, run sure, you could like to hurt them conceptually cut a zip tie with some scissors but <laughs> but it is it is a like a method of being like we are aware that you have a large sword and this is a public festival with children so we're like zip 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 so it's that's like always been my thought costume. of the solution to the gun problem in america it's just zip ties no not it's, it's more get guys back into swords yeah because guys want something they want and women too but a lot of guys they want something. They want to feel like they they have something. My, and they want to feel cool and swords. My partner keeps a giant katana next to our bed, so I feel great about that. Does that make you feel safe? It does. What about you? Is your whip there too? Or you just lend the... We actually have a rack of other whips as well. But those are, will be significantly less effective. If, if, if you had that whip intruder. and someone was attacking you, would you be able to use it or would you just be able to do tricks? And it would be... <laughs> Would you be able to attack just him or just him? impress him? Be like, look at this, under the leg. Woo! <laughs> um, uh, I don't. I think it would be more startling and extremely loud. I mean, I guess I could hit somebody with it, but I'm not. That's probably not Can it super be a weapon? Effective. It is. A, or is it, it is just for, it can, I thought whips are more for like horses to like yes. go there. So go historically, there. historically, whips are used as, for many things, but mostly for animal 
moving. So you make the large sound here, and the animal moves away from it, right? Uh -huh. So it's it's herding large animals into spaces where you want them to be as a farmer. Um, and then, of course, there's the the historical stereotype of it being used during slavery, which is unfortunate and frustrating, um, especially for the sport and circus whip community uh -huh. who obviously have no intention of that of being a subtext at all. And a lot of horrible things were used for that absolutely horrible time period in our country's history. But Unicycles, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that sticks with um, it sometimes as well. And then there's, like, the dominatrix element of it of, like, play. That's a that's a full gamut there's of a things. Lot. There's a, a lot. lot. It's a very it's a and then there's like the Western art of it. And the whip industry and the whip community is actually really cool because you have so many different people who use it for so many different things. Mm -hmm. So many people just love it because of Indiana Jones. Oh, sure. sure. And Catwoman like and all of these other like comic book oh, figures. Catwoman used a whip? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I thought she just used her night her all of her senses. Oh, there's a super <laughs> there's a super sexy whip scene. She's great. Okay, cool. I uh very good. No, it's it sounds like it we had we had a we had a taxidermist on. Ooh. And, and she's queer and she's like cool and hip. And I talked to her about like the taxidermy community is a mix of like of like her community and then like older guys. The same way I feel like with whips. I feel yeah. like whips has to be a diverse. So diverse. There's the Los Angeles Whip Convention, uh, which is a really super cool gathering that happens in January. And it's hosted by this guy, Adam Winrich, who has the most whip world records in the world. He's up to like 35 or something. What does that mean? How do you have a whip world record? Um, I... I don't want to misquote his actual records, but uh, like the heaviest whip ever cracked. He has ah. like a chain whip that weighs like 40 pounds or the longest whip ever cracked or the most cracks in this amount of time. He cracks bottle caps off the top of his head. He does it. It's wild. He's extremely, extremely skilled. I just wonder how you like uh, when you come up with a new record, mm -hmm. you know, there's existing records. But then like, does he say a longest one you apply littlest one one made out of feathers like it's you it pitch it to guinness you pitch yeah you pitch it and you submit an application and they review it seeing is this worthy of a record so you like have any i did not but i i have pitched one what, which what was uh the most targets cracked with a whip on a unicycle in a minute Wow, that is so specific. It, and actually, it got rejected because it was too specific. They were like, this is too specific. There aren't enough people that would also try to break this yeah. um, as well. So now so you need to find like vacant. nine other whippists. Is that what whippists. you're called? <laughs> and have them <laughs> also crackers, submit maybe. the whip, same thing. Whip, are they called whip crackers? I would say whip crackers or no, like whip artists. No, we cannot crackers? be called whip crackers. <laughs> crackers? What about whip creamers? <laughs> Whip creamers. That's, that's, that sounds a little bit. Whippists. I like whippists. 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 I think whip artists. Bull whip, whip crackers. Bull whip artists. We can't say thing. crackers in here. We just <laughs> talked about the horrible history of it. We can't bring crackers back that's into fair. it. I think you submit podcast whips. Uh, whips in a podcast. Guinness world record whips? of number of how many whip craps in whip, whip cracks in <laughs> one podcast. Yeah. No. There's a lot of podcasts. No. <laughs> a lot of people can do it. I'll have more people on just to get one 
I'll just, just get in this tiny little apartment I know, and crack this whip. Space is not big really, enough. Really, 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 really loudly. Could you safely or would you break something? I could safely with my smaller whips. She could because she's very talented. But if you get a bunch of other people trying to do this. If I got the guy with the longest whip in the, you know, that's mm-hmm. an issue. Uh, absolutely. That whip is longer than this entire apartment. Can I tell you a fun Renaissance fair connection that we realized outside is that my husband grew up in the town where the Renaissance fair is and used to work there every summer picking up trash. So look at that. So much. Well, that's, that's very fun. My, my, uh, my go-to opener, uh, uh, Liam Nelson, he, he came with us. He's been on the podcast before. He's seven feet tall. Have you ever met Liam? And, uh, uh, he has the same disease that, Abraham Lincoln had the Marfans. Mar- Marfans, yeah. Uh, he he's worked at the Renaissance Fair. The whole face, the whole face, the body, and the face. Well, the, we, there was a thing outside outside of yours because yours is called Tiny Girl Big Show. Yes. And there was like a, a height thing. Yes. And seven feet tall was the tallest, and he he was there. Oh. He was, I don't think I've ever seen with my own eyes somebody that tall stand next to that sign. So I have a sign by my stage, which is a little draw a life size drawing of me holding a scroll that goes up really, really, really tall. Because I'm five feet. Is it a Torah? It, it, holding a Torah. You know it kind of looks like a Torah scroll. Um, and it has little height markers on it. So you can see if you're taller than the tiny girl. Mm. And, and each uh, one is like tiny, still tiny. The tiny average and then tiny, the seven foot is like out, out of this tiny. world. <laughs> um, and how tall are you? Five feet. Okay. Five feet. Tiny. I feet three inches with these shoes. Hey. So, so I I want to I want to go to the beginning of how you got into this because I think it was fascinating yeah. with with uh, all these art forms. It feels uh, stand up. We were all part of the same. Go back to vaudeville days. Back to like freak show days. Yes. Or if you go to any of these things, like the, the it, and uh, we had a wrestler on recently, an independent wrestler, and it feels like all these like things, like they were they were touring people, and the tall man became the giant in the wrestler, or became the Renaissance Fair, and it's just like uh, yeah. they all evolved from this same point. I mean, yeah. stand up too. I mean, stand up. If you go back, went back, it was in the like a mafia thing. Oh yeah. And, uh, and they were uh, like, hey, just so you know, like this is underground. You can't post clips. and you had to be careful where it's like you had to be a good roaster if like if you were going to roast the boss yeah you had to do it in a fun way or they would kill you and you have to know what his fun way is yeah you can heckle with guns yeah (laughs) yeah pop pop they're like she better be funny pop pop Uh. there you go there you go they they wouldn't let you in the room um i i imagine it was just like all dudes oh yeah all dudes (laughs) Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. So, how did you get started? Were, were you were you a theater kid? I imagine. Oh yeah. But your parents were away. they part of the circus? My parents are magicians, so <gasps> I grew up in cool that? that world. But they were very corporate magicians. They work mostly for like larger companies for trade shows and things. So it's less like sawing a woman in half. Um, and a little more business side. They make your debt but disappear. <laughs> and so when you were growing up, having parents as magicians, did yeah. that demystify magic for you? Were you like, if, if you saw magic at a party, were you just like, okay? I mean, maybe, probably. I was kind of like a little know it no snob, all, like snobby six year old. They like sure. showing you tricks. Only child, child. There's nothing more yeah, fun than quarter yeah. behind the ear to a little kid. Absolutely, and I think. And then that kid calling that you was a, a hack. big part of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, I I did grow up surrounded by tricks, but I also grew up surrounded by listening to my dad on the phone pitching himself mm. actively. You know, what and was his pitch like running. He works a lot for corporate 
companies at trade shows. So he will take their corporate message, turn it into a routine with magic. Give me an example. And, How does this work? Um, so he works for he works for ExxonMobil and HP. Like those right. are two of his clients. So he'll be like on the trade show floor dressed in their polos. He looks like an employee. He doesn't, uh -huh. no sparklies, nothing like magic he gives away. And he's at the front of their booth bringing traffic into the booth with small close-up magic things. And then he'll use the company message. So he'll say like, with ExxonMobil, we can multiply your profits as he makes coins appear, uh -huh. you know, with the use of this new oil technology and V8, blah, blah, blah. And the, what do you say? With my mind, I'll make the climate a little bit hotter <laughs> gradually until we're all dead. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll take your water and turn it into oil. Mm. So it's a lot of generating leads for companies. So I grew up with them in the house. Did they start, like when they started, I mean, God, it goes now it's so different. You could go to, you'll be able to major in magic, I'm sure, in some colleges now. But when they started, were they like, did their, were their parents in the performance arts? How did both of them get into magic? My dad was a uh, early childhood education major, and he taught kids in school for a long time. That's what he went to school for. Magic was always a hobby that he did growing up as a kid, and then at some point he realized he could make more money doing children's birthday parties than he could teaching. Wow. So he switched and used a lot of his early childhood education skills in his childhood magic show for wow. kids, did that for a decade or so, and then developed a touring show. He needed an assistant, and he casted my mom. She was a dancer and a musical theater professional. So In, in New York? No, this is all in Chicago. And so he's he did she audition? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like and a really he's cute like story. he's like also you're right. gonna be my wife eventually. Pretty much, I think. I mean, I over. I mean, like you literally are auditioning was, your wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cute. It's a really cute story to look back on, and the pictures are adorable, especially when they're like first touring together before they like really got together. But you know something was going I on. I want to know it's what the great. casting like. What his like? Here's what I'm looking for between five two, five eight. Yeah. I mean, she's like five feet two. She's like my size. So it was definitely a little, sure. little smaller. Uh, but she had a great theater background. And that's really what he was looking for. Because it was more of a show than just like her being just a pretty girl. Mm. It had, there was like a full storyline. Uh. So they toured this, this children's magic show for a while. They got married. They had me. Um, and I never really wanted to go into magic growing up, even though I was very exposed to it. And... Uh, it's for many reasons. That's Tell a me. whole other podcast. What is it? Tell me. It's a misogynistic art form. Mm. It is very troubled in terms of women being able to be magician center stage. And I found circus. Can you imagine something like that? As having that be your profession? That. Yeah, it was having really magic be your profession. No, to have to to like work in a misogynistic art form. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. Like it's comedy isn't that it's much for better. Sure a stretch. But it, it, I found circus as this like other world where it's not about who you are; it's about what you can do. Mm. And did you find out about circus through them, or you went to a camp? Yeah, there's essentially like a youth program. I did gymnastics a little bit, but I hated competing. Okay. I hated being judged. I hated being told that I lost because some other girl had longer legs than me. Like, that's dumb. Were you talented at gymnastics at a young age? Yeah, I wasn't. You must have been. Sure. I wasn't, like, particularly the best. I had more showmanship than I had technical skill. 
Sure. And I kind of have always been that way too. Like you're doing the floor routine, they're like, put the fire out. Why do you have fire here? <laughs> That's not part you of get this. The ribbon dancing, and you're like, I actually brought a whip. You're right. Um, I'm you're like, hi. Did you do gymnastics? No. I never I, did. It's my biggest regret. Just to be able to like talk. That's your biggest regret. <laughs> <laughs> Many regrets. But I, I'm so mad. And I was not an athletic kid. I would have fought my parents tooth and nail. But I wish they had maybe do gymnastics. Because my friends who could do a backflip, who could do a handstand easily, and they could just uh-huh. do it forever because yeah. they learned when they were eight. That's so cool. I still can't do a cartwheel. I did maybe like six weeks of ballet if I even made it that long when I was five. And I was just like, I think I'm out. I can't do any yeah. of this. I'm really clumsy. Uh, my parents put me in swimming because if you fall, there's just like yeah. not really gravity. It's fine. My dad let me quit the swimming team because I said the pool was too cold. Oh, that's bad. Sweet. That's no, it's bad. Boy. Bad dad. Bad dad. I just didn't like anything where I had to compete. Yeah, okay. like I wanted that approval, and I still do. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was always looking for like just people to tell me I was great. Yeah. After I practiced for like three years for on something, you know. Um, so you. What was the first circus thing? Was it a camp? Was it a summer? Yeah, it was the Actors Gymnasium in Evanston, Illinois. Wow, where Northwestern is. is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I did. I was a cherub. There was a musical theater camp. Oh, at great! You were yeah. a cherub. They were called cherubs. Yeah. There were 150 people in the at the camp, and we were all I, very close. I like feel like I like remember that as being. Yeah, a yeah. A lot of theater. Did kids you go, went grow up in Chicago? That. No, I just I just went to that camp for oh, okay. seven weeks or whatever. Amazing. Well, yeah, they had a great program. Um, I definitely wanted to go to Northwestern for theater if I went to college, but I I didn't. I went to circus school instead. So <gasps> I did circus school. Like? I did actors gym, and then I auditioned for circus schools, and I went to circus school. How is circus school? Is it a four year program? Um, I did a few different programs. There are many different types of programs all over the country and world. Um, so it's not like a it's not like a four-year degree that's kind of consistent throughout. Um, I did a year at the Clown Conservatory in San Francisco at Whoa. the San Francisco Circus Center. Sadly, that program doesn't exist anymore, but it was exquisite. Why did it? What happened? Uh, I think the school just lost funding, and I, I think there's just issues. I mean, they made a movie about circus school issues. yet. They have. There's they a have. few. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a, a reality show, maybe on Disney Channel when I was a kid, about a, a youth circus. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like kids would audition. Yeah, I mean, and they would, that's and they essentially would what. Oh, oh, it was about Smirkus. It was about Circus Smirkus. Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Circus Smirkus is an incredible program as well, uh, and that's it's right. So it's a touring youth circus program, and it's coached and overseen by professional circus artists. It's really, really great. It's I called never... Circus Smirkus. Circus Smirkus. You can look it up. Is a Smirkus stand for anything, or is it just fun? I think it's just fun. It's so fun. That After you went to university, I would I go to university, university. <laughs> I know. I love I love the really silly names and then being like, it's a really prestigious program. It is. Circus Smirkus. So then I, I spent some time at Ecole Nationale de Cirque, which is the National Circus School in Montreal as well. And I did five summers there. And I wanted to go to their pro program they're like four-year or three-year training program and I auditioned twice and I didn't get in both times and that was a very motivating thing for me because there are it's the Harvard of circus schools where their acceptance rate is like nine percent and and is legacy a big problem yeah especially specifically the fact that um I wanted to go in for clowning and 
like I'm a I'm a funny right like I'm a yeah, funny yeah, yeah. person. I'm not classically trained ballet. Like I'm not gonna be able to pass the dance audition next to somebody who uh-huh. is. Like you can look at me and be like ah, that knee is not straight. <laughs> you know, um, and that's that's what like cut me. But so you're auditioning like is the audition just clowning and it's whatever that means or are you like acrobatic clowning like are there different distinctions there are different distinctions the audition process is not suited for clowning at all which mm. is part of the problem what the, about like what, what are the clown schools like lecoq yeah that, lecoq is one? an incredible lecoq? my you know my ex-partner no went to lecoq for did the full 3 year program now when there. it's in french it sounds like it's fancy but it, for all we know in french it's Circus Mercus. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's Jacques Lecoq is the name of Jacques the man Lecoq. that created. That was his name, or that yeah, was his, his stage name. His first name was Jacques, and his last name was Lecoq. L A C O Q. Come on, it's, come, on. come on, it's not on. okay. It's just another language, I, guys. I, I, so okay, so you didn't get in two years. So yeah. what, what, what did you do in your? Did you do clowning in the audition? And they said. No, like, are are you competing against a tightrope walker and a right. juggler? And yeah, a- so it's, it's. I don't know if you've ever seen videos of, like, large dance call auditions where everyone has a number and everyone has to do exactly the same thing mm-hmm. and then they cut okay. rounds. It's like that, but it's a three-day-long process. Oh, wow. And so do you kind of have to know a little bit about each? So there's a dance day. There's an acrobatic day. There's a physical strength test day where literally I'm just, like, standing next to a dude who's eight times my size trying to do as many pull-ups as he can, right? So it's they're just testing you on all these individual skills to see if you can even handle the intensity that the school is. So I'm physically competing with... An aerialist, even though I have zero intentions of ever being an aerialist. Yeah, I often find myself competing against Leahs. <laughs> okay. But I guess I'm curious, like, I saw uh, Little Shop of Horrors last night. I've been seeing more musical theater recently, and I think about how musical theater college has become, like, so many different musical theater degrees. Yeah. And the way that it makes... Everyone is good. Yeah. But... They're all like good at every, every th- they're, they're, they're dancers, singers, and actors. Mm-hmm. So suddenly the actor suddenly also like moves perfectly in a way that I think takes away some of the fringe and the individuality and mm-hmm. the, the singing is all perfect. And, and, and like with this, with, with circus school, do these things end up creating kind of like a, a cookie cutter thing of you got to be good at everything in order to get in? No, I. I think that that is there's definitely a certain level of that for the audition because they want kids who can physically handle the intensity of the school. You just need to be a certain level of fit because if you're not, you're going to get injured really fast. Mm -hmm. But once you're in there, they're producing very individualized people got it yeah does that make sense it's like you have to be well-rounded to get in right it's like med school like you have yeah, to like do yeah, everything and yeah. then you pick your specialty exactly exactly and sometimes they pick the specialty for you as well they're like oh no we th- we look at your body type we think you should be doing this instead and you can either say yes okay i'll do that or no i'm not gonna go um so when you didn't get in how devastated are you oh my god i was a mess is it normal to to okay so you didn't get in I was a mess and- both times and and what was your thought process like? Where that were I, you? I was. I am very uh, spite motivated. Me too. Right? Me too. Yeah. You tell me no, and I'm like, watch me. Let's yeah. go. So, I 
that really rocketed me into being like, all right, well, I'm going to do this anyway. Like, fine. If I am not going to go to your high-level prestigious circus school, I'm going to build my own show. Like, I'm going to... I'm still going to be a circus artist. I'm just going to do it my way then. Like, uh-huh. So that's essentially what happened. In terms of employment, like if you want to be in Cirque du Soleil, yeah. do you have to go to one of those schools? You are way more likely to get in uh-huh. yeah. Cirque du Soleil if you have it. that. Like, I mean, literally that school is across the street from Cirque du Soleil headquarters. Okay. Sure. Just for proximity. Like you look out the windows and that's what you see. It's like how you have to go to Harvard yeah. to like it's, get on SNL or The Simpsons. It's very yes. funneled. And it's also, I know circus throwing money at that school so of they course. can get yeah, yeah, yeah. cycle. Um, but to be honest, I'm not built to do a super high level three minute act 10 times a week. Like that's not where I have no creative control and I have zero ability to interact with the audience after a show mm-hmm. Where what I'm doing now is completely on the other side of it. And I have friends that went to the school that now work in Cirque full time and have for a very long time, very close friends and We've watched each other grow and create our careers through this. And it's so great because they, they're super supportive of me and I'm super supportive of them. But I still look at what they do and I'm like, hell no, that is not. I don't want that for my own creative abilities. I would feel stifled. When did the stand-up element come into it for you? I've always loved talking on stage. Um, my ex-partner is a very good joke writer. And he did stand-up and he did a lot of improv comedy. In so Chicago? No, in Boston and a lot of other places where he was traveling previously. He did, like, improv Olympics and uh, comedy sports and things like that. Yeah. And when I met him, he taught me structure. Mm -hmm. He taught me formula. He taught me beats and rhythms in a way that I didn't really know before. I did theater, so I knew how to deliver a line. Sure. But I I didn't understand the the science of Mm -hmm. joke writing. Yeah. And he's one of... Like, and we still talk, we're, we're still good, but he's one of the best people I know who can take any concept and, like, turn it into a joke very quickly. Do you have any jokes from your double act? I, 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 know, I know it never works off stage, but we're not going to go, like, oh, okay. But, like, like, do you remember, like, what kind of jokes would they be? Um, we had one joke. So he was Thunder, and I was Star. Uh-huh. His name is Etienne McKinley, to give you, to give credit where credit's due, if he's listening, Hi. How are you? Um, <laughs> but uh, we would have, like, we had a joke where we were standing next to each other, and I would, like, curl into him, and he'd go, Star, when you're close like this, I always feel a piercing in my heart. And I went, is it love? And he went, no, it's my pocket knife. And he'd, like, uh-huh. pull out. He had, like, a little knife that he pulled uh-huh. out of his chest. I love it. So it was a lot of that. Like, he wrote a lot of, like, radio, old radio show kind of back-and-forth humor. Yeah. Um, we... Uh, but this is also yeah. what I mean. I always talk about... There, I think it's sad in the stand-up world, we used to have duo acts. Yeah. Nichols and May and, right. and uh, George Carlin, I think, was the one once. But, like, I would... I'd love it. I love now it. Now you have love to be in a comedy club. To we had so much fun. Act. Yeah. And it was That's so much true. fun. That's true. That's true. Only in stand-up, it's like, well, if you're twins, I guess it's cool. Yeah, identical twins. Men, usually. Whoa. Male ident- I can think of, like, three identical twins. What? I feel like I haven't Male seen duos. Stand-up would be so much more... I would watch the show. Imagine if there was just more variety. Yeah. And the audience, I think, is not as used to variety. Like, I think it's it's tough to be a comedian on a sketch show or a sketch person on, like, a 
a stand-up show, but there was a time when all these things were so much more blended, including props. Props kind of carrot top got like mocked out of stick, but like prop comedy is funny. It's I great. Love, it's funny. That's it's how variety. I write it's a, a mix. lot of my stuff too is like stuff. I like visual stuff, which gets me in trouble because I have too much stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, oh gosh, what's what's the show? The um, keep talking. I, I gotta. I'm going to do, I should do prop comedy, but the whole premise is I left my props at home, so I just need you to imagine what it is. <laughs> That's essentially what I do when I do a stand-up set. I, like, describe a unicycle, and I describe clubs, and I'm like, so here's this, and I, it's funny. I, I make that in its own, its own joke. So you started, uh, okay, so you, you don't get into the school, yeah. you're upset, yeah. and you go, I'm going to make my own thing? Yeah, so I met, I met my partner around that time as well when did I was Did he not get into in. schools too? Like, were you a similar trajectory or how no, did you... No, no, he wasn't auditioning. He was at the... Cir- we were both at training in San Francisco when we met. Uh-huh. I was in the clown program. He was just training at the school, like free training. You could just like, att- like kind of like going to a gym, right? Yeah. Okay. Like just, you use the space and you go every day. Um, so then we were like, let's write a show together and let's take what we can do individually and combine them. You start dating first or writing the show first? That kind of happened at the same time. It was all kind of a... Was there a part of you that was like, Ugh, I'm just like my mom? Like, uh, we're just repeat, like my, me and my parents. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that was a big element of it. I think I have... I have a... I, I feel super lucky and super privileged, recognizing the privilege that I have extremely supportive parents in the arts. I have parents who are like, hey, I want to go to circus school. And they're like, cool, good, do that. Like, here... How can we how can we help you? Mm-hmm. Sure. And also, I have a very large tendency to develop crushes on people that I work with. Uh huh. Like working is a total love language for me. Sure. And I know that's definitely like modeled by my parents and watching them work together too and seeing their like very healthy relationship while also having a business together. And I'm like, that's great. I love that. Yeah. So, yes, I have developed over and over and over again. Have your parents' career been pretty ste- steady? Have they, or have there been any like low points? I or? mean, the the 2008 financial crisis was like absolutely a problem. Oh sure, a lot yeah. of companies weren't going to spend money on a magician when they were laying sure. off. You know, was there ever a magic bubble? Because when I was a kid, the but the magician. Do you remember the magician? He told all the secrets. No. The masked oh, magician. The masked magician. Yeah, oh, it was so yeah. cool. It was like yeah. it, he he made these videos where he like revealed how all the tricks were done. Yeah. And I'm still like learning from magicians gradually, like how big a like what that was in their community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I feel like stand up has booms and busts, and people talk sure. about the '80s. I think it was the '80s. They talk about this stand up thing where like you could be on the road every night, and everyone loved stand up, and you were making money and. Hand over uh, fist. But then they say we're in a bubble now. I, I don't know. I think we're in a bubble now just without the money. <laughs> I think sure. we're in a bubble of need for entertainment mm-hmm. and need for entertainment that feels connected compared to screen-based entertainment. Well, that's why I'm so excited. I think the there's passive and active. Artificial intelligence debate. The whole artificial intelligence debate, I feel weirdly optimistic about live entertainment because I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen with TV and movie. I don't know if the computer can make a new episode of The Office and it looks indistinguishable, but people see live entertainment because it might go wrong. And that's what's fun about it. What what would you rather see a robot that can like shoot a free throw 100% of the time or a seal try? Mm, Right. (laughs) We're the seals. Yes, we are the seals. We're safe. 
Uh, yes, you can even do the sounds. Love it. Um, Although I did see a stand-up comedian who decided to go up against ChatGPT in trying to roast oh, fuck. somebody. Oh, they funny. would do like a ChatGPT or like an AI version of like Sarah Silverman. They would like program that and try to do a, a, a roast battle How with that. Well, I I mean I think ChatGPT won, but oh. I also think that might I don't know this person, but I do I read some of the jokes. I think it might be a little different for other comedians. Oh sure, okay. sure. We we didn't send our finest to the ChatGPT <laughs> battle. Um, that's very funny. Uh, so let's talk to me about the the industry a little. Uh, uh, is it? Like the where, 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 did the, where did the money? Where did the money start coming? Because I, I came from a similar background. I had parents yeah. helping me out, uh, uh, and that certainly helped yeah. in those early years. Mm -hmm. But like, where you 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 developed the show, and then what you pitched it to people? You put it a, a run somewhere? Yeah. So he previously did Renaissance fairs. Etienne worked Renaissance fairs. Yeah, uh, solo prior to us being together. So he had a lot of connections through the Renaissance Fair industry. So he repitched our duo show. We were quickly working Renaissance Fairs and then got signed with a cruise ship agent and worked on cruises ah. as well. So within our second year, we were full-time working. What pays better in general, cruise ships or Renaissance Fairs? That's so... It is surprisingly difficult to answer. Some Renaissance Fairs are fantastic and some of them are smaller so what's the depends. big is there what's the is the big money like ooh, ibm made a commercial with a unicycle sure i mean if if i've done like single off gigs like that or like a crazy corporate event where i like got paid a stupid amount of money to do 30 seconds of contortion yeah. on their like mm. their big you know Banquet hall, 2,000 people, like, arena stage. And are those... But, but that's not my primary... I don't like doing that. Of course. It's not fun. It's extremely high pressure. It's super vanilla and weird. I am poorly communicated with the entire time. Uh -huh. right. And I have zero creative freedom. Are people, like, who, like, at the corporate events who watch you, are they paying attention? Yeah. Do they come afterwards? Are they like, that was amazing? Absolutely. Because for us, when we do corporate gigs, it's almost always terrible. Yeah. The money is great, but afterward, I mean, nobody's listening to you. You're going after some guy who just did some motivational speech about getting over cancer. Yeah. Uh, they, they want it to be dirty, but you're not allowed to be right, dirty. Right. Yes. Uh, oh, that that's uh, its whole topic. I hate but as that. an actor, I did when I, I was the General Electric spokesman, this is like right before stand-up, and I got to do some corporate gigs as the guy. And that's the one, like, they flew me to Vegas, and I just had to go on stage. There was a hammer in the commercial, and I pick up the hammer. I'm like, I can pick up the hammer. <laughs> and then I leave, and they gave me $15,000. Right, right. $15,000. And you're like, I did, I did fucking nothing. nothing. And they just, they're just, they just have the money. And the thing that I feel like is always weird is, like, a lot of these corporate events are, their budgets are, if not a million dollars, close to it. And... They're oftentimes like charitable organizations or some sort of like center city situation. And I'm like, what if you gave all of that money to like people who needed that <laughs> instead of this like dinner? 
of course. Right. Like I don't know. I just like look Every at this. Every time someone like, hands me a check, weird. I say, "Isn't there someone else?" For the else? needy, There's give it to the needy. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it, but like in general, do sure. we yeah, need to be course. doing a three-course meal? I don't know. This is just my like personal event organizer. Brain. I have a friend. Uh, Congratulations. I think, thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's new for me. I <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can say who it is, but he did a State Farm musical. And like they went to Vegas and got insane money and a musical promoting State Farm the same way your wow. dad with Exxon. And I, I did a gig where ExxonMobil was the sponsor. So have you ever seen bathtubs over Broadway? I have. No. Uh, oh, you gotta see oh, it. Oh, what is it? it? It's a corporate musical. It's two for one week at for Broadway. I'll go see something. It's uh no, it's a movie. Oh, okay. It's, it's a documentary. Moved. This I'll guy uh, he collects the records from corporate musicals used to be a bigger thing. And they, they would put on musicals written by the top composers of the day. And they'd get their big paycheck writing uh, about baths or about, you know. And, and this guy he worked on, was it David Letterman? He was David Letterman's head writer or whatever. And he's really sure. into uh, these things. So he collects all the records and it just shows. There's just like there. massive productions made that were only performed once. Like they would train a cast of 30 dancers and singers to perform this one musical with all of these inside references of a company and they would perform it once for the employees of that company. Wow. It was wow. It's so it's such a beautiful weird piece of theatrical like happenings. That's that doesn't happen what anymore. What a great way too for all those people to make money. Right. Like like there's I w I do really wish there was more of that. Like cuz I think now we're at a point there used to be so much uh, shame around selling out as an artist. And mm. now it's, I think it's changed. I think all these influencers have changed the game where it's like, make money however you can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if that's what subsidizes the things that you actually want to do, we all understand. We, we all get, get it. Get that bag. That's what get they say. Get the bag. On TikTok, if, if you do some weird corporate branded thing, they're like, get that bag in the comments. <laughs> um, was it, so you're doing this acrobatic show with your, mm -hmm. with your partner at mm -hmm. the time. Like four shows a day, like what I saw? Mm -hmm. Yep. Four shows a day? Yeah, 45-minute shows, four shows a day, two days a week. So you haul ass for 48 hours, and then you get to chill for five days. Still, I it's mean, It's a nuts schedule. I love it. It's weird. I love it. But it's like running a marathon and then, like, resting, which is I'd w much rather do than every night. What's the best show? Because, like, for stand-up, if you do a weekend, four. if you do, it's usually one show Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday. I usually find that the first show Saturday is the best show. Mm -hmm. Do you, is there and Friday late night is notoriously known as the one that could be the disastrous yes. one <laughs> because people went to happy hour. They went yeah. to work, then they went to happy hour, then they went to a bar, and then they came to the comedy club. Yeah. yeah. Is there that for for the for the four shows in two days? Is I there? often find that my second show of the day is usually my best. Okay. What time is that one? It's usually at, at my current contract. It's one thirty, but mm -hmm. it's usually somewhere between noon and two. Yeah, and it's when, like, the first show of the day is usually a little lighter. People are just arriving. Mm -hmm. They just sat in their car to park. They just got through the gate. But by the second show of the day, most people have either gotten some sort of food or drink, so they their blood sugar is like right. They have walked around a little bit. Maybe they saw one show, but they definitely haven't seen two shows before they saw me. They still have money in their wallet to give me. Mm -hmm. They haven't like spent it all on food yet and mm -hmm. other stuff. And they're like, they're still fresh. They're not like tired. 
Yeah. And usually that's when I, second or third show is, is the best energy. Do you pass around like a bucket afterwards? Yes. So okay. at Renaissance fairs, or most of them, it's it's a tip based situation. What's, what's, what's better, Renas- what the Renaissance is giving you or what you get from the tips? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... <laughs> So, yeah, if, uh, I get it. Sometimes. Short answer is it depends on the fair. Sure. But, uh, I love the New York Renaissance Fair. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just curious it. if it's like a tip based job. Right. It is. You know, oh, it's absolutely a tip based job. Yes. Way, like, yes. I remember Lucas Connolly and I did a, a, like a shit gig once, and at the end he said, I'll have my hat out. Yeah. You can just give me money. And now we do this thing with merch where sometimes I saw my merch. I'm sometimes like, guys, what if we so got rid fun. of this weird fucking game where you bought something you didn't want and you just <laughs> gave me money directly? People yeah. want a cum towel. What are you no, talking about? Do you sell they, cum towels? I sell cum towels. I want uh, one. Sure. I'll, I I'll, absolutely I'll want one. one. 20 bucks. I, uh, uh, and, but, but it gets to a point. you still sell them for 20 Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So honestly, you sell towels for twenty dollars. I, I love it. Yeah, you could sell. Them for, <gasps> I used to be ten, and then I, in Vegas, she was like, "Kid, yeah, kid, kid. sell them for twenty. Yeah, I, sell, was, I sell koozies for ten. Yeah, I sell my hair flowers for fifteen, but people give me twenty and say, "Keep the five. Yes, I sell my stickers, uh, pay whatever you want, and then sometimes people just hand me a twenty first. But I'm about to go to shirts, and there is just a degree of like, sure. just give me money. You yes. just you want to do something, just give me yeah. money. Yeah, and it the. The Renaissance fairs do, that is, there is the culture of that, most of them. There are a few fairs that are non, that are referred to as non-hat fairs, so there's no tipping at all, mm. where we're just paid by the festival, and there's... That must be annoying. No, I mean, they pay us more. They yeah, you're more. just guaranteed. Yeah, yeah they, they pay me what I want to be paid, and I do not ask for tips. Sure. And that's it. And that's nice, because if it rains and nobody shows up, I still get paid a lot. Yeah, baby. Where if it rains, like, this weekend's calling for rain, and I'm like... Uh-huh. Because if it rains a lot... You know, I still get my day rate. There is a day rate that yeah. that is, you know, what the festival takes care of me about. But uh, yeah, it is a tip based job for sure. Um, any any chaotic show stories, whether it was when you <laughs> with your partner or so. Oh yeah. Oh man. I mean, oh buddy, when you're when working around for everything happens, anything everything happens. People are throwing up. Kids are screaming. Um, my partner ripped his pants on stage once in the middle of a trick, like <laughs> straight down the middle. It's great. Co- co- so funny. Le cock out? Uh, underwear <laughs> was cock out? <laughs> oh, I really hope he's listening. He'd appreciate that joke. Um, no, he was wearing underwear. But it was hilarious. Uh, you do a bit. There's two bits on stage that I saw. There were big uh, crowd work interactions. First, you brought a little girl on stage. Yeah, it's and, a new bit. And it was this beautiful bit. Thank you. But I imagine sometimes the kid is, she was nervous. And she was adorable. She was But, nervous. like, she was nervous. She was nervous. She was nervous. And How I old think is she? Adrian? She's tenish. Okay. But she also seemed, and this happens sometimes where a kid gets really excited. They shoot their hand up. They want to be on stage. They get up on stage. Then they look out into the crowd, and they see 400 people. Uh-huh. And they go, <gasps> Because they were sitting in the front row where you don't see anybody behind you. And they, like, shut down. And then it's my job to open them up over the next three minutes. And I was trying with her, but she was scared. She was scared. And she seemed a little, like, closed. Yeah. Did they ever cry? Have you ever seen a kid cry while they were on stage? And you said, "Uh uh-oh. No child has cried on stage with me. Um, They peed? I have not personally experienced this, but my dad has some great stories of kids peeing on stage. 
um, they get nervous. And yeah, then they it's scary. I try not to pick kids who are young enough where that would happen. My ideal age range for that bit specifically is between 9 and 15. I ideally want a kid who is like 13 and taller than me. Uh-huh. Because then it's funny when I ask their age. And I, I do like, I just like do this and it gets a laugh. Right, right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's like perfect. And then I do this whole thing about becoming a teenager and how it's terrifying and what you should do with your emotions. Um Drugs. <laughs> Drugs. Your show did have a it it did and I feel like you must have learned over the years like how to walk this line, but it had some dirty jokes. Yeah. Uh it ha- it was like kids could enjoy, it, but there was some there were some dirty jokes. There was a lot of uh uh, uh, polyamory jokes in there, <laughs> and it's just fascinating because you're you're playing to this wide range yeah. of people. It's a hard Renaissance thing. fairs are so challenging and fun as a comedian because you have your family of four, you have your emo goth queer poly couple, you have grandma and grandpa Jewish, like Orthodox Jewish, especially in this area. Yeah. yeah. You have like bachelorette party and they're all at your show and you have to make them all laugh for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it is shooting a very wide net. And so the rent fair gives you a little bit of like, there's a bodiness to it where you're allowed to like play on that line. Double entendre's great. They love it when you can like make a sex joke that also doesn't, you're not, referencing penetration right you know you're making some sort of like (laughs) undertoned thing um and for me it's always it comes back to being character based what was the dirtiest one you you told i there was the something about like shaving or whack or like with a whip or the fire something i make i juggle knives i throw one under my leg and i say shaving something else Uh uh-huh so i'm referring perfect right and then i and then i catch it and people laugh, and I go, my legs! But uh-huh. uh, I wasn't referring to my no, legs. No, this was like 90s Nickelodeon. Yes. So when I wrote the show, a lot of what I modeled a lot of character work based on was cartoon villains. Female mm. Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network cartoon villains. Because they're cute, they're not sexy, but they're almost sexy, kind of? Like, they're in, like, these, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's this line where they get to play within that. So, like, I make a joke about, like, my fire torches, and I built my own fire torches myself out of barbecue sticks and my sister's hamsters, which is, like, referring to, like, Uh burning pets. Yeah. Which is, like, horrific, but that's, like, Nickelodeon-level funny. Yeah. But they keep going. It goes more. Then you go, like. I say, oh, no, I would never do that. They were guinea pigs. Very good. So a little misdirection. Like, or fat for the fuel or something. Right. Yeah, I mean, they burn a little dark. longer. It gets dark. Yeah, but that's like... Yeah. This little girl started crying. She said, I what? just lost <laughs> my hamster to a fire. Oh, right, right. Oh, were you at that show? I was at that, that show. That was really... Did that well, really no, happen? Was, she said, I... Oh, no, that, this was in, this was in Wait, Chicago. What are you... No, well, I was just lying. A... But you, <laughs> this is a real story? <laughs> I was lying. What's the real story? <laughs> what happened? Oh, God. I was doing this joke and about... The guinea pig and the hamster, and this there's this was in Chicago, and there's this little girl in the front row who goes, she like just starts talking, right? She just like has like she's like seven or something. She just has like free verbiage, and she's like, 
my best friend put my, like, I think it was like, put my hamster in the toilet and then it didn't come out. Like, she just gave me this very graphic, loud story about her friend who drowned her pet. And it was the entire, like, it was loud enough for everyone to hear. And this kid was, like, adamant. Like, she was telling the truth. What did you do with that? I I think I... Um, or what would you do with that now? I, I, I was, like, shocked and amused. Because it was funny. <laughs> but horrible. But I was so shocked and amused that I obviously stopped what I was doing to the point where I had to notify the audience about what was happening because it was still a big crowd. So even though the people around mm -hmm. her could hear... Everybody couldn't hear. So you do that thing where you repeat what the audience yeah. member says so everyone can hear. <laughs> so Which I'm also yeah. buys you a little time. Yeah. Right. So I was like, I, I repeated it back to her with a question. I was like, your best friend flushed her hamster down the toilet? And that got a laugh. You know, uh -huh. so like mm -hmm. I just like leaned into it. And that's, I think, part of what I love what I do so much is that I have creative control. Sure. And I have free reign. And I can take the show and go and like derail it to this other place. What would you have done? What would you have done? You're at Gotham. It's a Memorial <laughs> Day show. And some adult is like, I just killed my pet. I, if they had said it in that way, if my friend flushed my, t my hamster down the toilet, I probably <laughs> would have said something along the lines of like, I've also taken some pretty crazy poops. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's if I'm being honest, what I would have done, I don't think this is good, like in the moment, but I would have been like, if you interrupt my joke again, I'll flush <laughs> you down the toilet. <laughs> that's uh -huh. just immediately where uh -huh. my mind goes. I did a, I used to have an episode, I was like, I used to be on episode, I was on episode Law and Order SVU, and a little kid went, What episode? And I said, The one where the comedian murdered the little boy for interrupting <laughs> his joke. <laughs> And that was that was one of the that was one of the best I, I had. That's good. Uh, I love it. Oh, if I don't if Very I'd only good. filmed my sets back then. Um, and good. then you have another bit, which I feel like there must have been. You bring a, a grown man onto the stage. Sometimes a woman too. Oh, this this one was this was a big man, and you you gave him uh, ch uh, links, metal uh, chains. chains, and said tie them tie them around my wrist. Yeah, I get I get chained with my wrist behind my back. And they then I do it fire. What if they do it too hard? Because you tell them, you say, do it tight. Has any guy yeah. been, you've ever been like, hey, chill the fuck out? Yeah, I've had a few people who've, who get too excited. Part of my job, though, is picking somebody who I feel like is competent mm -hmm. enough to listen to my directions mm -hmm. and to. And doesn't like not actively be have stupid. a boner when you ask. <laughs> right. Um, I'm look, I mean, I'm watching yeah. people throughout my show, and I am thinking about who I'm going to pick throughout my whole show. And I, do, I can tell if somebody, I can tell by their body language, by how they laugh at my jokes. Sure. With, if they're like fucked up, I'm not going to pick them. Right. And yeah. most of the time I bring them up there. We have an interaction. I am taking temperature the entire time yeah. of their energy. And the way I, I do the rap too, I chain myself first to one wrist. So I link myself up first I have them hold the other side. I put my hands behind my back, and then I tell them to wrap the chain around both of my wrists. So my wrists are already together, and they're just they're burritoing it. Mm -hmm. I see. Up. I see. So they can't really hurt me. It, I mean, once I'm once I I did have a guy once. I got completely chained up, and he picked me up 
he, he was a very large dude, and he scooped me up like a baby right <gasps> after he did it. And I felt the audience loved it. They thought it was hilarious. Mm. The dude was sober, but he was just excited. But I f that was the first time that I felt completely out of control on yeah. stage, and I did not like it. Um, and did you try to, like, like, was there a moment of, like, in character, like, put me down, or were you like, put me down right now? It was somewhere in between. Yeah. I think I, yeah. it was fun. I, I heard that the audience thought it was funny. Uh-huh. I felt safe in his arms physically. Like, he was large and had me. He wasn't going to drop me on my head. Yeah. But... I didn't have my arms available to me. Or and your feet. Right. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't like it. So I, he picked me up and I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. okay, put me down now. Which he did promptly. And then I was like, and big round of applause for this guy. Get off stage. <laughs> like, I was like, and we're done, you know. Um, I just can't imagine. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it had to be someone who's socially just unaware. I think he's just excited. I mean, I killed. What do I you get mean? excited he in was, my life before. I've he never was also just... huge. Like he was, he looked sure. like a pro wrestler. Like sure. he was so he's big. He's so excited so, to pick you up. Like you're tiny and right. he's huge and he's on stage. And but that's it's something that like... does happen a lot. I do get lifted or I get asked. Your honor, she was tiny. I picked <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, what do you want me to not pick her up? <laughs> I hate it. Uh, I do. Injuries. Oh. Any big on-stage mishaps? On stage? Or mm. just general body wear and tear? I bid general body wear and tear. Oh, yes. It's a laundry list. Um, on stage... Do all contortionists hit an age where they go like... I, or That's do like some my contor least favorite question in the entire world. Sure. Well, this, this is the depth. But I mean, <laughs> I mean but, no, but is it like... What's, do some contortionists, they, they're 80 and they're still doing it? Or is, yeah. this, a, is this something it with is, the shelf life? Since I was nine years old, I have been asked this question. Why? Mm. Because people are like, because people look worried. at what they do at your body, and they're like, "How long can you do that for?" Which is a really weird thing to be asked when you're prepubescent. Yeah, right? they're like, "Hey, what's your expiration date?" Right, and you're like, "Excuse me, this is something I love to do." Well, so my sister, I part of the reason I I do think about it is my sister's a dancer. My yeah. little sister's a dancer, and I only think about the expiration date of it only, only with. Uh, concern and not just the regular parent like don't don't go into the arts but i'm just like yeah this no, business is so if, if i if i if there was a limit to me being able to just yell and complain on stage <laughs> i'd be concerned for me too what are you gonna do when like at some point you'll get arthritis probably and you can't do 90 degree angles anymore oh it's my gonna God, be, i love gonna, your 90 degree angles so much how do you though? think that's gonna i'll have to delivery. hire someone to write better jokes that's for damn sure <laughs> when i can't do all that moving around i was thinking of like doing a few when you were in the audience i was so close oh my god if you did, i was that so close so funny. i didn't want to like i didn't know you that well so i didn't want to like i don't know i i wasn't sure how well that would go do you but do I, like a impressions of other people's mannerisms like can you sort of embody that um i have different physical modes that i can slip into i don't necessarily i wouldn't consider them impressions per se like i'm not like oh it's this is this guy uh -huh. but i have different like physical uh flavors yeah. that can happen on stage absolutely um as part of the the physicality of it but to answer your original question um Yes, there will be a time when I'm not going to be able to do everything that I can do. Uh, I haven't gotten more flexible since I was, like, 16. I've gotten significantly stronger. Mm -hmm. sure. I'm 28 for reference. Um, and That was so brave. 
and that's that'll that'll go into my <laughs> into my downside thing for a second too. But um, it, I do contortion archery where I press up into a handstand with my butt over my head and I shoot a bow and arrow with my toes. And that's, that's your the hardest. What? That's your that's closer. It's your closer. Hey, Heckler, watch Imagine this. At the end of a fully regular set, if you said, <laughs> I don't move at all on stage, also for reference, like very little. Yeah. And then that so guy in the front funny. row goes, like, Damn, she is good. It'd be so funny <laughs> to just finish with that. <laughs> you shot him right in the be head. Be like, Oh, by the way. By the by. Um, and it's the hardest thing I do, and it's the thing that's taken me the longest to learn. And I'm currently injured, and I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I've had an injury for more than a few weeks that's taken a large element out of my show for, like, it's been six weeks, and I probably have at least three more weeks mm-hmm. until I can get really back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sucks. And Yeah. But I also imagine it's like, yeah, there will come a time where there are certain tricks things that you can't do, but you will evolve and yes. figure out what else you can do. So in this six weeks, I've written 20 more minutes of material. Right. It'll, right? Like it'll just I brought change. that kid bit in. I have this yeah. new other rhyme thing that I do. Like, it's, I write more. And I love comedy. I love hosting. I love other physical tricks. The unicycle is significantly easier on my body. So there's other things that you I do. Can a special get doctor, because I imagine if you went to a regular doctor, yeah, city they'd MD, die, and the, if you went to City MD, they'd, <laughs> they'd go, "Oh, don't do that anymore. Right? Don't shoot shoot arrows with your hands." And you go, "City MD, you dumb motherfuckers! <laughs> How hard is it to send a prescription to Dwayne Reed two blocks away?" But do you go to special like sports therapists? I have like a team of a people, full team. Cool. and because I travel. I have people all across the country. So, like, I got a chiropractor here. I got a massage therapist in Chicago. I have wow. a chiropractor in Florida. I get extras regularly. Like, there's a, it's a lot. Do you ever and do? It's extremely expensive. The needles called acupuncture? acupuncture. I actually don't. I've never done acupuncture. I was thinking Tempur-Pedic. <laughs> that wasn't that's right. A kind of mattress. I knew it wasn't right, but that's. <laughs> it, this is, look. You ever do memory foam? <laughs> I um, will say, coming here today, this is the earliest I've left my apartment for not a flight in maybe two years. I was up at four thirty. I I when my I had to wake up at at nine fifteen to be here, so the words aren't coming. Yes, proud of you. Thank uh, you. Only for you, job. Leah. Good job. Chiropractor. Isn't uh, isn't it isn't are th- some people skeptical about whether that's good? Yes, which is really frustrating because some of them are really good and things are really helpful and I really need my work done. And then sometimes I go into a chiropractor I've never been b- to before and they try to sell me weight loss pills. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's not why I'm here. I I am a professional acrobat and and they're like, oh that's cute. I'm like, no. Like and I have, I show pictures. I have an album of my phone that is only X-rays and photos of me doing skills that is specifically for doctor visits so i can be like here this is what i do all the time Uh take me seriously it is so frustrating because then i walk out of that office and they're like here's a bill for 300 dollars," and they've done nothing it's very frustrating yeah a few bad apples so mad bad apples uh let's go into our next segment oh this has got to stop this has got to stop it's got to stop uh, 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 Leah, do you have something that's got to stop? I worry that I didn't. Did I say your name at the beginning? Fully, Jesus oh Christ! Oh my God! What a downside. Uh, I'm here with uh, Leah Orleans. Thanks for having me. Orleans, Orleans. Whatever. It's a cool last name. Thanks. It's it is. Own. I wore my New Orleans shirt just for you. Oh my God! Thanks. 
uh, what's your this got to stop? Feel free if you have more. I have any, a few. Tell me, please. I got a few. Number one is Google Maps needs an add tab option. Google like Maps. if I'm if I'm like on the way somewhere and I want to look up directions for a whole different situation, I need to be able to add a tab. This is a very good it. point. I know exactly what you mean. And I can do another search for another set of directions while still getting directions for where I'm currently going. It pisses me off every time. Yeah, you're like, I'm not trying to add a stop. No. This is for a different time. I need to, I'm just curious. Or I need to be able to search like a restaurant for later and see options or We need to compare distances between two different places. Right. And mm-hmm. instead you gotta take a fucking screenshot of this thing and you go to the screenshot. Where's I the nearest? Strip? Agree. Yeah. That's a very good one. That's brilliant. Every time. Uh, it makes me very angry. Um, and then the other one was, in general, uh, age shame. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate when people are like, oh, you look great for your age. Yeah. Oh, you're f- wow, you look great for 40. Like, aging will always happen. Mm-hmm. There's, it's the most consistent, reliable thing that we have. We need to stop like well, pretending like it's a bad thing. I think another thing that happens a lot is because people are comparing age to what they've seen on TV and nobody ever plays their age on yeah. TV shows. It's always a 30-year-old playing a 19-year-old. Yeah. And you never and then it's a, you know, it's a it's a 40-year-old playing a 60-year-old. The amount of makeup and hair and lighting and mm-hmm. it's very frustrating. So people have no concept of how old you are and how you look based on that age. And the combination of being in the performing industry and then also teaching fitness and coaching and like helping people physically become their mental ideal of themselves. Mm-hmm. I just I would just watch people battle with that all the time and it's so frustrating. And I'm struggling. I, I, I want it to stop. I'm not proud. I, I turned 35 recently. And it is, I still feel, if you could see my blood pressure when I have to say that I'm 35, or like when the treadmill asks me, like, how old are you? You know yeah. some of the treadmills ask you that? Yeah, sure. I, I hate it. Really? I hate can it. we unpack that when, for a when, second? Oh, like, me I mean, why. there's nothing to unpack. I'm going to die someday, and I'm not happy about it. Okay, so it's more talent. Unpacked. <laughs> Suitcase fully open. Don't want to okay. die. But so it's not a vanity <laughs> right. thing for you. Not, no, like, not Which is shocking. What? Knowing. I said, which is shocking. No, <laughs> well, to- Tova... Tova, uh, when I was doing the taping for a thing, she was like, she said bravely, Tova said, do you want to die Do you want to die? (laughs) Do you want to dye your beard? Mm -hmm. Uh And I said, what the fuck did you just say to me? (gasps) And she was like, she was like, you know, she, she, she said, it looks good. It looks good. But I'm just saying if you wanted to trick people into thinking you look good for your age, that's not what she said, but she she brought that up, and I struggled with it. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna age gracefully, emotionally speaking. Well, <laughs> y- your your brand is already like complaining, so when yes. you put that onto somebody who gets older, you're gonna become crotchety really fast, which could work for you. It I could love work, crotchety, but it's it's like. And that's what I tell myself. Whenever I'm like, whenever I'm like, ooh, these 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 are widow's peaks, right? Or is this a widow peak? This is widow's peak. What's what's we're these? Receding hairline. <laughs> oh God! Can we have a fun name? Can we have a fun name? These are these are your girlfriend. Wish she was a, a widow peak. Uh, oh, that, I, that like yeah. Whenever something, whenever I feel ugly, I go like, good. Comedians aren't supposed to be good looking. 
You're very good looking, first of all. I don't want to, I mean, like in a Jewish way, but like you're good looking. But it's true. It is a Jewish way. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, and I don't mean that as a dick. It's like a specific look. Look. You got it. I think if I'd grown up in like a a Jew, like if I grew up in like Tova's community, I think I'd feel. Oh, you'd be a 10. a A stud. Yeah. Yeah, man, I used to go to Jew conventions as a kid, like when yeah. I was a teenager. Did you go to those too? Called I went to concentration like, camps. Oh. Stop it. Stop it. No. My goodness. No. I went to like, but I would Jewish clean camp. up at yeah, those yeah, Jewish yeah, conventions. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, I bet. I would yeah. clean up because yeah. I have blue eyes, and that's a whole thing. There's like a lot of colorism in Judaism, too, yeah. that we don't really talk about or address. Really? Yeah. Most of them are pale. They're pale, but it's a lot of, uh, I think, Jews can idolize, like, blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm. And I do, I think there's a lot of, like, you would have, like, when I was a kid, I was blonde and blue-eyed, and I got told, they were like, you would have survived the Holocaust. Oh, Oh my God, are you serious? How old were you when that was said? You you would have survived the Holocaust? They would have been like, we could have hidden you pretty easily. That's so awkward. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mostly by, like, my extended family. Because everybody in my family is, like, darker. Yes, it's very, as a kid, I was just like, yeah, I guess I would have. And I was like very proud of it. Ah, Absolutely. I've never heard that in my life. You have to talk about that on stage. That's so That's really funny. I have to figure out how to talk about it. I'll figure it out. It's, but it's hard because the second you say Holocaust, right? Well, maybe not you. I feel like you say it a lot. (laughs) I say it a a lot. I say it way too many times. Uh, Um, uh, It's interesting. But so yes, the age thing is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. And I think like the last thing that just irks me and I don't know if you get this, uh, but it drives me fucking insane. When people in my DMs from very like small, weird places in the world are like, come to my small town in northern Minnesota, DM me, like let me know when you're coming. Yeah. Like tell me when you're coming to my place. I'm like... My tour list is in my bio. My tour list is in my highlights. My tour list is on my website. All of these links are easily available through the platform that you are messaging me on. Yeah. No, I'm not going to message you about... It take, cost me thousands of dollars to go anywhere. I'm not... It's just I a just, deep misunderstanding oh. about, like... I'm like, if you think that I could respond to this or, like, arrange it around your schedule, you don't understand, like, how the, the world right. mm-hmm. functions. And I know this is, like, they're a fan. I'm grateful for fans. Right. I thank you for being a fan. You know, joy, joy, joy. But, like, I... Uh, well, that's what's nice about your business, at least with the Renaissance Fairs, is it's, like... Renaissance Fair, it's not close. It wasn't easy for me to get to. No. But it's like you go to a place and you have to make the journey. No one from New York City is coming to see me headline Tuxedo Park. Right. right That's sure. the difference. Yeah. Where like there is a fun thing of like it's just these cities. You yeah. got to make the trek to go. And yeah. it's a full day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big ask for people to go for sure. Always. Whenever. And whenever I come into a city I, or come to a Ren Fair, the closest city nearby, whenever I have friends who are there. They're like, oh, we're going to come see you. And I'm like, are you? Okay. But there is a model of like... I was wondering if that happened to you too. Oh, all the time. Steve Hofstetter will headline cities I've never even heard of existing. Sure. I bet you he's headlined Tuxedo Park. (laughs) He's made a business out of it. Yeah. So I guess you can go to those places. I mean, the small places do tend to have a better crowd because they're so grateful you're there. Yeah, they need the energy. Nobody in New York or Chicago cares that I'm there. I still have the New York mentality. People, people say to me, "Thank you for coming here," and I, I say, "I say to them, thank you, thank you for coming to the show." And yeah. they're like, "No, thank you." And I'm like, "You're right. 
thank me. <laughs> you drove. I flew. We did an incredible show in um, in Montana, <laughs> this tiny town in Montana. We had to take two different flights, rent a car, and drive six hours to go to this university in Montana. And these people have never seen live entertainment. Yeah. Of at all, like, did they lose it, their fucking minds? They didn't really know how to experience a show. I want to see but that. But then afterwards. <laughs> yeah, like it was. They're they didn't the really. Parts of their body, they don't even know what to they do. They don't really know how to clap. They didn't really. Yeah, and it was it was a university show, so we were paid to be there no matter what. We didn't have to sell tickets. Um, but the university, there's two majors: farming or nursing. Either you're farming or you're fixing the farmers that hurt themselves farming. Right. <laughs> that was the entire small small place and i this was me and my ex-partner and I, like you saw me when i work i work a lot of makeup and i like look cute and i'm like in this whole thing and like i was wearing more makeup than that entire town has ever seen any woman wear. <laughs> they were like, like they just didn't know how to react to any of it it was exquisite. people in that town look their age <laughs> uh, how many makeup wipes does it, sorry one no, question no, how many makeup wipes do you oh, have to use to take off your makeup it's very very it's a very specific yeah. system of of chemicals <laughs> especially my renaissance fair makeup routine has to survive a oh, entire right, day shows. of sweat humidity rain snow whatever just horrible conditions of Everything. So the primers that I use and the setting sprays that I use are really intense. Um, so yes, I I use some serious makeup removers onto wet wipes and then an exfoliating. It's, yeah. it's all okay. Thing. Yeah, I just need yep. to know. Thank God I'm a man. <laughs> Let's go to our next segment. You better count your blessings. Once again, there's many ways that I do feel feminine, but like. I could never do makeup. I couldn't do it in. Uh, there was makeup class, and I got out of it. Have you ever considered nail polish? I think. I think. Well, nail I went through a goth phase. Mm. I went through a goth phase, and I love black nail polish. I I can't like put it like I I can barely get it in the lines. Oh yeah, me too. I'm terrible. I love it. I just feel like I would have to address it on stage in a way. No, you don't. Really? Yeah. Especially these days. You should just do it. You should just. I, I've always liked you the want. one nail. I like a one nail. It's, a, it's like the pendulum. Just don't do one nail black because then it always just looks like it's bruised. Okay. Yes. Accurate. Glitter. Glitter nail. Really? You think you think if I do it that that I leave I leave the comics table and Renan Hirschberg doesn't go? That oh, fucking No, guy. no, no. Everybody's gonna roast you <laughs> for sure. In front of and behind your back. Absolutely. But you know what? They're like probably it. doing that anyway. And at least this way it's for your nail polish. I was gonna buy a shirt the other day, and it was two. <laughs> it was two wrestlers, uh, like like uh, collegiate, like uh -huh. real wrestling, and and Tova said, "I think that's too gay baiting," and I said, "This shirt, this is this is the line, this is too gay baiting." I was surprised. I didn't this, buy it. The shirt. Oh, not the. No, one not this right. one. It was two. It was two men, and she was like, "It looks like he's eating the other one's ass." I was like, "That's a oh. that's a backflip move." Wrestling is so homoerotic. It is. Yeah. I don't it know. Is. And maybe it's mm -hmm. just me, but I don't think it's just me. No, it's not just you. I, 
Yeah. I th- I've always said that's why some of these like football spaces, why they're so homophobic, is because the locker room is so homoerotic that if someone who actually like would fuck one of them walks in, he'd be like, "Wow, this is." You guys are gay. You don't even realize you're spanking each other's asses. You're standing yeah. around naked, cocks out, showering next to each other. Not just the locker room, though. The game itself is homoerotic. Of They're course. putting their heads and their crot in somebody else's butt in front of them. It's They're grabbing all. each other. It's hot. It is hot. I know. I, I agree. think football is gayer than gay sex. Even. It's close. It's four <laughs> point. <laughs> We're getting there. Ariel, do you have a blessing? Uh, I'm very. I'm very. My blessing right now is cash. Is ha- being able to pay for things in cash because a lot of places they're moving away from it. Ugh. They're going to card only. I'm it. talking to you, the Van Leeuwen ice cream place. They they don't take cash anymore. But yesterday I went to an estate sale, and I bought a rug, and I'm very grateful I got to buy it in cash because I think this rug might get me on some lists because it is a rug. That was made in Afghanistan. That might be a Taliban rug. I'm oh not God. sure. Well, and I'm really grateful that there's no digital record of me buying that rug. I mean, <laughs> Can I show it to you. I thought <laughs> five dollars. By the Whoa. way, five dollars for that rug. Whoa! I texted my husband. I said I got this rug. All right, I, I didn't show him the picture. I just said I got a, a rug that was made in Afghanistan Whoa. at the estate sale. And he said, is it a Taliban rug? And I said, you know, do I need to show this it to a might be. That's, I'm looking up. This is, this is pictures from when they raided where they found Osama bin Laden. That's, <laughs> that was his bed sheet. Um, uh, that's very good. So very grateful wow. for cash. I used to have all this cash. And now we're paying for Tova's getting her eggs frozen. We're paying the nurses who come and give the shots in cash. Now it's all gone. I'm sorry. Tova says any more cash? <laughs> we do have a we have a box of cash with our passports and any important documents. Oh. And some jewelry yeah, in case. Tell us all on this podcast where. Uh, so my I live in Queen. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so I think you know, we we have my husband and I are both Jewish. He's like the grandson of Holocaust survivors, the son of immigrants. And I think we have this thing in our head of like, if we ever need to bribe the guards, yeah, this is the bo- like some people are like, wow. oh, for a fire, this is what you grab. And you're like, yeah, 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 fire, whatever. It's for when the Nazis take over. Yeah, that's what the box is for. Mm. No, that's what your blue eyes are for. That's what my blue eyes are for. A little bit of bleach. You're Barbie, baby. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will make, uh, I guess I'll make my, my, my blessing. These two nurses that are helping Tova, we don't really interact. I just sit there. I'm very much, and I offer my hand for Tova when she gets the shots. And then you offer your hand for the cash. For I the nurses. <laughs> give her the cash. And uh, thank God for these nurses. It is surreal because they come by. And they're coming from, like, like they're out. They were out shopping. So one came in, like, a tennis outfit. Like, there's no, I'm a nurse. <laughs> they just show up with their expertise. They just show up with their expertise. Exactly. And they're wearing, like, uh, they, this one keeps, like, like Barbie like Barbie outfits, like, eight different professions. Cute. Well. Comes in, and, and, and except for the nurse Barbie. None of that. <laughs> and they just, they do it so fast. And, man, we, there's no way we could have done this on our own. No fucking way. And they just they just pump her with estrogen. And then they leave me with her. <laughs> <laughs> Does she feel effects? And like, I'm paying money for this. Are there effects? Like, oh, 
or their effects. Someone told her, and like, you know, I don't know, there's two, they said, they said you're, you're going through the trajectory of being pregnant, but like condensed. Whoa. Into. Sounds awful. We, I'd love to water it down. Jesus. I'd love to spread this out. No, she's doing, she's doing fantastically. I'm so proud of her. And uh, I, I get it done. I can't even, I don't even know what this process is. It's, like. it's just, it's so crazy in that I was never good at science. I was never good at biology. I don't have the memory for it. And you get to this age where you, these, it's a huge part of your life knowing these things. Mm. And I barely, Tova tested me the other day. Fallopian tube. Good job. Oh, I thought you meant emotionally. She tested you. That's <laughs> <laughs> every day. Fallopian uh, uh, tube. Yes. Egg, the eggs are in the like. Eggs are in the. And I just think the ovaries. ovaries thank you, thank good. you. But it's just like they they taught me this in fifth grade, and then they yeah. said, uh, uh, "Remember this for when you're 35." Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, and and to think that some people aren't even taught it at all. Uh huh. So a lot of people, and that's a I think. That might be one of my, like, grateful moment bullet points is, like, touring the country and seeing such a diverse... Like, I grew up in my Chicago Jew bubble, and it wasn't until I really got on the road where I was like, oh, shit. Like, this... I was a... I had privileged education. Mm. People don't know the things that they need to know mm -hmm. to be functioning adults. Is the circus more, like, is there more of a financial barrier than it used to be? Like, I feel like the joke was you ran away and joined the circus. Oh, sir. Yeah. I feel like, a, uh, like, back in the day, circus was like, you came from the streets. Now yeah. is it like, is it a mix? Are yeah, there any circus I think there's people all different kinds of people that Jews? Are are there are a lot of Jews doing She's the right flips? Here. Well, I know, but you know, like... that's a good question. I don't know I don't it. I think a lot of Jews. I don't think there's a ton of Jews in circus. Now that I think about it. But there are a few. Like, I've got a few of them. But not, like, very practicing religious-y. Definitely not. We're always working on Fridays and Saturdays, you know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. That's, like, a thing. Yeah. Um, but, and it's a touring lifestyle, so it's difficult to maintain, like, a synagogue that you go to or any sort of community outside of the community that you're traveling with most of the time. Um, I think that Cirque du Soleil and other larger circus companies that offer things like health care... Mm. And you can bring your husband and your kids with you on mm -hmm. tour and things like that create a actually financially stable lifestyle for people. Um, I think there is the problem of spending all of your money on tour if you don't know how to save it. Sure. sure. A lot of people do that. I watch that happen a lot. Is it expensive but to go to the Renaissance Fair? Like, do you, are you, like are as your, a patron? Yes. Are your audiences, yeah. like, is it a wide range of... This Renaissance yeah. Fair is $40 to get in per ticket. Okay. And that's just walking through the gate. That's pretty cost prohibitive. Yeah, absolutely. This festival definitely targets an upper class family. Got it. it I always say you're going to spend at least $100 per person on stuff. Outside of your gate fee. Right. Uh, people spend thousands of dollars going there and buying really, really fancy. There was larger. good art. Yeah. Good art. Yeah. Yeah. There's like beautiful high-end, handmade. And everything that's there is made by the people that are there, too. Sure. Like you're not getting stuff from China. Like it's all handcrafted leather. Like hand-dyed silks. Like things that are. Are there any rugs from Afghanistan? Because I think I'm going to start. I can't comment on that. <laughs> I don't know. We do have 
$40 flower crowns. It feels like a trap if you it have a girlfriend. $40 yep. flower? Flower crowns. crowns? Like oh, crowns. Yeah. Got it. Got it. You're not getting it. You're not you're not getting away without buying one of those. I think my other thing would be probably creative control. Mm. I really love that I'm working in a job where I can write my own material. I think that's mm. really, really cool. Would you ever do a like uh like an act like a like a Renaissance fair after dark kind of thing? Like where it's like dirty. You know, it's funny, I actually just got booked for one. Really? Um the New Jersey and I can plug this too. The New is this Jersey one like now with the knives are like, this is to shave fair. my pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, I really hope anyone hiring me is listening to this with a grain of salt. Um <laughs> I'm a family-friendly act. I'm a family-friendly act. You are. You no, are. No, said, I'm saying like <laughs> you, me you, Disney. you just got booked for an after. But yeah, so uh, the New Jersey Renaissance Festival, uh, I'm going to be doing one week there in June. And uh, it's just a Saturday, Sunday. And on Saturday night, after they close the fair, they're doing an after dark show cool. that I'm headlining. So I get to do, I think, an hour or 45 minutes of really truly whatever I want not even just making it family friendly and it's an additional ticket to get in for that and that'll be I think around 7 or 7.30 and what day is this? it's a Saturday but what, what day for the listeners so they can find it it is we'll uh, Saturday the first Saturday in June of 2024 2024 you're fucking right. far out yeah, yeah, right. um, is Halloween yet. a big time for you? It'll be June 1st, most likely. Um, Halloween often can be. Yeah, this year I'm going to be working at the North Carolina Renaissance Festival on Halloween weekend. Uh, last year I worked the Freaky Deaky Fest, which mm. is the largest EDM festival in the country. <laughs> it was in Texas, and it was like a Steve Aoki sort of situation. Okay. Uh, and I did contortion and emceeing for in like this little freak show tent. And it was nuts. I honestly hate night work. Like, I am bad at night. I don't like working into the night. Really? I am happy to wake up at 8 a.m. and be in bed by 9. Like, that that's my happy place, which is also why I love Ren Fairs. But this was like a start at 9 p.m., end at 3 a.m. sort of situation. So, like, drugs helped. But, whoo! I fantasize about being in more power where I can have earlier days. Like, this is not a great person to use as an example. But Bill Cosby would do like 5.30 p.m. shows. Love it. And then afterwards, he could go out to dinner. Uh-huh, and do what friends. at dinner? <laughs> what would he do at dinner? Make some drinks. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, there's times where I'm like... And then you're like, usually I don't get this tired this early, <laughs> but I uh, am exhausted. There's times I, I'm like, I look at my life of like no nights, and I'm like, what have you done? What have you done to your life? You're like, of no nights? Of what just like not having nights free. Oh, sure. I'm like, you've you've... Cut yourself off from, like, the coolest part of life. How often are you, like, on stage at night? Is it, like, a seven-night-a-week thing? Like, as much as you can? I'd say the average is six. Minus five to six, yeah. Yeah. Whether that's, like, an open mic or an actual gig? It's never an open mic. Never. Okay. God. Got it. I, I don't know. Used to be. I don't know your life. Mics. What? I see my headlining shows as just okay. an hour and a half. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I see my old man hustle shows as open mic. Uh, cut that. Uh, cut uh, that. Uh, cut uh, that. Uh, uh, anything you want to plug? 
Uh, yeah, you can. I, I'm on tour a lot this fall, so you can go to my website, arieleliascomedy.com for all the dates, or you can just like, I'm. it's the same social media handle on everything, ariel underscore comedy. I'll be in uh, Toronto for Just for Laughs, uh, September oh, 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Great. So I this is coming out the 19th, so that's perfect. Perfect. Go and see then, her. We have a lot of people in Toronto. Go yeah, see that, Toronto. I love Toronto so much. And Toronto, the last I know we got I, listeners there. The last time I was in Toronto, I was there, and I but I had I had a horrible stomach virus, and so I was sitting on stage. Very different vibe. It'll be it'll be a, a bit more energetic. It's our last time. Give her one more chance. <laughs> Give her one more chance. <laughs> it was great. I, I love Toronto so much. Uh, and then September 28th through the 30th, I'll be in Winnipeg. Uh, so if you are there, please come to that. I, I saw you got a real Canada lineup. I'm doing a Canada I run. I love that. Um, October, I'm coming back to Louisville. October 20th and 21st at Planet of the Tapes. Buy tickets for that so we can add a second show on Based Saturday. Based on my experience there, we do not have a lot of listeners there. I might be. Oh, yeah, maybe I'm giving post. you the Kentucky Based on my bump. shows that I did there, not a, lot of, not a ton of listeners. And then there's other dates. Just go, you know, I'm coming back to Texas, Austin, Fort Worth. It'll be great. Um, and then for me... It's coming out the 19th. I will be headlining uh, Rosa Bianca Vineyards, Connecticut, September 21st. Ryan Browth gig. Hey, Ryan. Uh, September 22nd and 23rd, Poughkeepsie, New York. And then, guys, October 1st, I'm coming to – it's close to Cincinnati. It's in Liberty. It is Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati. October 1st, it's my first time doing a funny bone. They're big. They're big. And they will cancel. (laughs) Don't get it twisted. They will cancel my show if I don't get enough people there. October 1st, Funny Bone, Liberty. It's in Cincinnati. It's in Ohio. Just go. Which also means if you're in northern Kentucky, if you're listening to this because I'm from Kentucky and you clicked on this, go see John Marco uh, right outside Cincinnati. It's a quick drive. Quick drive. Go to the Newport Aquarium. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash downside. We're now doing a bonus episode every month with my co-host, Russell Daniels. Patreon.com slash downside. You get all our live episodes, bonus episodes, and it's a good time. Leo, tell the people where to find you, what to do. I am here at the New York Renaissance Festival until October 8th, and then I'll be at the Carolina Renaissance Festival the 28th, 29th, and then November 4th and 5th, which is very exciting. That'll be my first time there, and it's been a big anticipated thing. I've had a lot of people ask me when I'm coming there. And then I'm coming back home to Chicago for a double feature. I'm doing a family show at 3.30 p.m., on December 9th, and then we switch it up, and we're doing the Holiday Naughty show in the evening. Holiday Naughty. Which is my first time doing a show that I can, like, actually just market as dirty. So it's an I feel it's an opportunity to pull out the jokes that I usually can't say. Uh, And then, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to return to the California Renaissance Festival, and then back to Chicago for the Bristol Renaissance Festival coming 2024. Don't ask me in my DMs where I'm going. Go to my website at tinygirlbigshow.com. Are you going to have a dirty title for that show? Tinygirldirtyshow.com. Really? I mean, I'm not going to make a whole website for it, but probably. It might be the Tiny Girl Dirty Show. Clean Girl Dirty Show. It's called Tiny Tiny Girl Big Show. Yeah, no. I had a a joke title in my head. but uh, What was your joke title? I think it's pretty on the nose. Tiny girl, big lecoq. <laughs> this is the tiny, downside. Tiny girl, big strap on. Let's go. One, two, three. Downside. Downside. You're listening.
listening to The Downside. The Downside. With John Marco Cerezi.